Welcome to the Faith and Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Eventide Center for Faith and Investing. We are an educational initiative of Eventide Asset Management, where our aim is to inspire an authentically Christian practice of modern investing. This podcast features conversations with thought leaders in the space of faith and investing, and also functions as an audio digest of the articles we feature in our online journal at faithandinvesting.com. Welcome back to the Faith and Investing Podcast. I'm Matt Gallion with the Eventide Center for Faith and Investing, and today we're bringing you a conversation between our executive editor at ECFI, Tim Weinhold, and Harry Pearson. Harry Pearson is co-founder and CEO of One Ascent, a values-based advising firm. Harry has over 25 years of experience in the industry and holds both certified financial planner and chartered retirement planning counselor designations. In this interview, Harry recounts two pivotal moments in his life that God used to lead him from career to calling. The first was his decision to leave a successful family business for an entry-level financial advising role. After years of working his way up and finding considerable success as a financial advisor, God redirected Harry once again. This redirection wasn't to a new career, but rather to see his vocation as a financial advisor, as a steward of God. This view would turn his practice of advising upside down. If you're a financial professional, Harry's story is a story of hope and possibility for honoring God in your vocation. Harry's story also describes a journey that's not dissimilar to that of an individual investor who seeks to explore what it means for them to invest faithfully. So for financial professionals and individual investors alike, listen and be encouraged. Here's Tim's conversation with Harry. Well, Harry, you and I have been friends for a number of years now, um, but thank you for welcoming us into this lovely home. It's a treat to be here. You're welcome. This so, is this is our personal uh, retreat, and uh, we're glad to have you here. Well, thank you. So, as you know, we're especially eager to kind of allow you in this interview to kind of trace out the trajectory of your career as an advisor. Now, we're particularly interested in that because we know some of what that trajectory looks like. Sure. But would you take us back to even before you became an advisor? Okay. How'd you start down this road? So my dad uh, asked me to start a branch of his business uh, in Birmingham, and I was in the uh, plumbing business. And we'd go around and we would uh, replumb mobile homes and Marriott's and all kinds of things. And... Um, I was 21, 22, 23 years old. Uh, we just had our third baby uh, by the time we were 24 and um, making lots of money, doing lots of good things. I was getting my financial degree uh, at UAB, finishing up school. And I remember waking up um, one night in a cold sweat and um, thinking, wow, I I'm making almost 200000 as a 21, 22-year-old. Um, I, I could probably be financially independent by 30, but Lord, I, I have no fulfillment. Uh, I, I, I'm getting no joy out of it. Uh, I can do the work, but I'm not, I don't feel satisfied and I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I'm in my calling. And my parents, they actually, um, paid 
their financial advisor out of Dallas to work with Laura and I uh, to get started on basic things of college planning and setting up a cash reserve. And, and I really appreciated the work that she did for us, uh, getting us started. And I thought, you know what, I, I'd like to look into that. And as God would have it, um, I was reading the USA Today one day, and there was a one-page ad, and it said, if you'd like to be a financial advisor, call this number. Wow. Now, the, the Lord knows I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, so he needs to make it kind of big for me. So one-page ad, I called the, called the number, um, and I went to the interview. There were 30 people in the room, and literally within the first 10 minutes, uh, I knew that this was what I was supposed to do. So take us then, if you would, through the first several years of <laughs> your life as an advisor. Yeah. In particular, I know that you were, at the time, pretty leery of the whole idea of whether one's faith convictions uh, really had some place in the investing aspect of yeah. what you did as an advisor with your clients. You know, those first three, three years... Um, you know, you, I'm, I'm working from 7.30 to 9 at night um, and uh, just trying to figure out how do I go get my, a client, right? I go, go get one client, right? And then you got to figure out how to serve that one and you got to go get a second client and you got two to serve and now I got to go get a third client. And it took me about nine months uh, to actually make a positive paycheck. And, but the whole time I knew that I loved it because I was in the lives of people. And they were sitting across the table from me, and they were sharing with me their deepest goals. And, and they were sharing their pain, you know, and their, whether it was marriage or whether it was a kid, uh, you know, or whatever was going on in their life, they sat down and shared their deepest thoughts and, and dreams with me. Which probably wasn't really happening in the plumbing business. <laughs> no, no, it was not. Uh, it was not. Uh, and that was really my career uh, for the first, I'd say, 12 years of my career. Um, going and getting another client, serving what I had, and building a business. And, uh, and no one uh, had ever taught me, even though I was a believer, uh, no one had ever taught me how to integrate faith into a conversation. I tried to do that through just relationally doing it, but I never had somebody teach me a framework or give me the tools to actually apply into a financial context. And so I wasn't sure how to do that, uh, but I love the business and I love people. Well, I know from things you've already told me that not only were you, in a sense, simply unschooled about how faith might integrate into your investment advisory work. Yeah. But I think there were some ways in which you were, once you were starting to be exposed to that, that you were pretty resistant even to that, that you were worried that um, that may just take you down a road that you felt uncomfortable about going down. So tell us a little bit, if you will, yeah. about the, the angst you felt so I heard about a group called Kingdom Advisors, and um, Ron Blue, and I'd heard that name before and signed up for a conference. But early on, um, in that conference, uh, I heard about a concept called biblically responsible investing. 
And uh, again, over 12 years, I had built up a really good business. Um, I know how to manage money. I know how to build client relationships. No one's ever taught me how to do biblically responsible investing. And so I was skeptical. Um, I, and the ways that people were kind of explaining it to me was, hey, if you're, if you're allowing your families to invest in these things, basically you're going to hell is what, is what it kind of felt like to me. And um, hearing the words biblically responsible in the same sentence, in the same phrase, made all my defensive mechanisms pop up. And, and I kind of felt like, hold on a second, who are the dudes in the black robes in the back room choosing what's biblically responsible and what's not biblically responsible? It feels a little bit like a marketing gimmick to me. Are we putting a, a verse on a peppermint and calling it a holy mint? What, what, what are we doing here? Right? And I, I just didn't like the context. Um, and so it actually, as God would have it, in his heart a man makes his plans, but it's God's purpose. And uh, it wasn't until five years, five conferences later, um, that I, I kind of had a group of, of people. I had 40 different advisors come to a session to hear from Eventide. And uh, this young man, sweet-faced young man, steps into the room and, and says, hey, I'm from Eventide. I'm going to be doing the speaking today. And, and it was Jason Meyer. And uh, I was like, oh, Lord, let this be good. And uh, I've got these guys that came in early and let this be good. And Jason gets up there and he, he, um, he shares these slides. And uh, it was, there were 17 mug shots on the wall. And he says this was a, uh, a prostitution ring that was uh, an escort service that was busted for prostitution in New York called High Class New York. And he hit a button and 15 mug shots go away. There's two mug shots left. He said, these are the two guys that put up the money to start this business. They never worked a day in the business. They never made any money in the business except being paid interest back on what they'd invested. All the other people were arrested and spent, had jail time, but what do you think happened to these two guys? And I literally had no idea. And he said, well, they were indicted alongside everyone else. He said, but the question I want you to think about is this. If an earthly judge will find these two passive investors guilty of how they invested their money, how will your heavenly father find you on how you've invested his? I, rem I remember that moment sitting here right now. I, I remember that moment. The Lord gently popped me in the mouth and got my attention. And for the first time, I became clear that this was not a question of biblically responsible investing. This became a question of who is the owner? And if we believe that, that God is the owner of all things, then that makes us the steward of his things. And if we're the steward of his things, shouldn't we consider aligning his assets with his principles and with companies that bless mankind instead of cause harm. And that single moment changed me personally, my family personally, 
It changed the direction of our business, how we serve families. And I had no idea what was going to take place from that moment. It sounds like asking questions is really kind of central to what you do with clients, at least in the early stages. Can you talk a little bit about kind of the role of questions and how you have used questions as kind of the uh, easy pathway for you to bring a faith-based orientation uh, to your various clients. I I got so excited about when I heard Jason speak and understanding now, oh my goodness, as a steward of stewards, I'm putting them in investments they have no idea about. They have no idea what they're profiting from. They're trusting me as the steward of them and those dollars. And so I came out of the gate with it, and I, 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 was, I was just really excited about it. And I remember asking people simple questions that I thought were simple, like, hey, if I can help you avoid profiting from abortion and pornography, are you interested? <laughs> and that's a, that's a good direct question. The problem is... I'd look at them, and their hair was kind of blown back <laughs> because they're, they're like, um, what are you talking about, right? And, um, and so I began to just work to try to figure out how the, what's a better way to ask that. And I got with, um, with 12 uh, leaders, uh, and I shared from A to Z kind of what I was thinking. And I had a couple of ladies in the group say, I'd probably encourage you not to ask that question. But what if we could soften it up a little bit? So we started working on a question, and, 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 and we worked and landed on this simple question. And it's a question that we ask every family now. And it's very straightforward. It's, very, it's simply this. Tim, what values do you have that you'd never want to violate just to make a profit? And, and most people, even with that question, they're kind of like, oh, <laughs> what are you talking about? Or a better, better way to say it maybe is, what are the things that are so important to who you are, deep at your core, that you'd never want to violate those just to make some, some return? And, and it could be pornography, or it could be something that's personal to them, where there's been some pain somewhere in their, their life. And, and I'll say, okay, tell me, why is it important that you not profit from that? And they tell me why. And when they're done saying all the things, I just simply ask them one question. I say, um... Do you know if your current investments are aligned with what you just said was most important? And they say, I have no, no idea. idea. I have no idea. And I say, would you like to know? And they say, I think. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you know, some people say yes. <laughs> some people are like, I think, I think I do. And I say, great. We'll take your current investments based against what you just said was most important. And we'll see where there's alignment and where you're not in alignment. And where, you, where you're not in alignment, we're going to share some ideas about how you could get in alignment. So my role is to help fill the need and give you a solution that allows that alignment, allows you to be a good steward, and also allows you to make a great return for yourself and family, but also for impacting the kingdom. And uh, that's a... That's just been a beautiful journey the Lord's allowed us to walk through to get to that point. It sounds like those are conversations that you can have more or less 
equally well with people who come to you as believers and people who are not believers. It sounds sure. like the way you've kind of hit on approaching it allows you to have that conversation with pretty much everybody across the board. Most advisors think, well, I don't just serve Christian clients. I'm like, great. <laughs> we're, not, we're not here just to serve Christian clients. We're here to love and care for people. What we've learned is that everybody has values. And, and to a person, about half of our client base are believers and half are not believers. I have Hindu, Buddhist, atheist, agnostic. You call it, we got it. What's been the most beautiful thing to me about this is in, instead of just talking about are you in a 60-40 moderate allocation and talk about all the risk measurements that I had to talk about before because I, it was what I needed to kind of flex and get you to a place that we actually knew what we were talking about, you know, alpha and sharp and beta and things that kind of impress you a little bit. The beautiful thing now is we get to take that kind of stuff and put it on the side. It's all getting done with excellence, better than we ever did it before. But now we get to talk about you and what's most important to you. Not how much we know, but what's important to you. And, and when you bring thought leadership and add value to somebody's life, it, it gives you a connection that's deeper uh, than, hey, let me just go make you some good return in our moderate portfolio and help you get to retirement and live a life of ease and comfort. What are some of the conversations you've had with particular people that really typify how kind of potent this approach to, on the one hand, to the larger task of investment management with your clients is, but particularly to trying to draw out from them what they really care about and, and so forth. What are some of the conversations that really jump to mind? Well, one particular... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, beautiful and painful to me in one way to even share the story, but um, one particular, um, uh, I knew the couple's devoted believers, and, um, and I shared this question and this concept, and we walked through the pieces of it, and they unpacked it, and all the way to, do you want to learn more? And they did. And when I finished, uh, the lady looked at me. I mean, we were about family. I mean, we... <laughs> deep love for each other as, a, as, as people and friends. and uh, She looked at me and she said, Harry, you know, this is what we've been missing. I didn't know how to put my finger on it. We love you and your team. Um, but there's been a little something missing, and this is what it's been missing. And I was afraid I was going to have to leave you uh, as, a, as, a, as a client because I, I felt like something was missing, and this connects all the dots. It takes care of the short-term temporal things, but it also takes care of the eternal that's really most important to us in a way that you haven't been able to do before. And I was like, on the one hand, I'm super grateful that you shared that with me. On the other hand, I thought we were doing a good job. <laughs> but it was beautiful because it reminded me that, no, there's more. People are deep in their thought about purpose and how do I finish this life well, right? And, and we weren't taking care of, we weren't scratching that itch for that couple. And so that was a, 
beautiful but painful one. I suspect many of the advisors who might be watching this at some point in their own advisory lives confront the problem which, you know, marketing people in the abstract call the problem of differentiation. You know, I'm out there as a financial advisor and on, you know, three of the four corners around me are other financial advisors and we all have kind of the same skill set. And so how do we differentiate ourselves? It sounds to me like what you're talking about is a huge differentiator. The value differentiator is um, our role is to help you live well, finish well, and it's all about aligning your values with your planning, investments, and legacy. Uh, that's, that's, where we, that's where we stand. And when people walk out, uh, they know that we've had a different conversation. Mm. We talk about generosity. We talk about contentment. That's a different conversation than how big can I grow my IRA? That's important. We don't want to shy away from that. We want to be, we want that thing to grow as big as we can grow it, right? But for a different purpose. Um, and, and that's the, the differentiation that when people walk away, they know that was different. And they tell their friends about that too. So It reminds me of something you said to me some years back that maybe you would just comment on now. Uh, you said, I get to have conversations with clients that are deeper and more intimate than the conversations my pastor gets to have with his folks. Uh, And you then kind of just jokingly said, in fact, if my pastor got to see those conversations, he'd probably want to be a financial (laughs) advisor too. Uh, Tell me, if you would, though, a little bit about your perspective of kind of the the ministry significance of what you do as a financial advisor. I get to sit with people, and and I tell you, we we have Kleenex in our room. Um, It is rare where there is not tears flowing of some kind. And the reason is because we just, people are people, right? We, we, We all have pain of some kind. And, and that's because we live in a sinful world, but we also are, are sinful people, and we desire to be all that we are supposed to be, but we just don't live that out very well. And what we get to do is, is have a platform that's just called financial planning and investments um, that allows people to sit down, shut the door, get away from the phone, get away from the noise of the world, and, and, and say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. This is what, uh, where I have pain, and this is what I'm trying to accomplish. Sometimes we come to things with identity issues, right? We come to, to uh, we actually uh, get caught up in thinking that the numbers that we have on our statement is our value. And so the ministry work that we get to do is help separate that and go, no, <laughs> you are perfectly made in God's image. You're an image bearer that has beauty and creativity and greatness, and you bring order and care and love to this this planet. He chose you to play a part in his story. Now, we need to live on purpose. 
We need to not live by chance, but on purpose. We need to be intentional, and we need to take steps to get to this place. But the accomplishment of that does not define you. We get to initiate and facilitate that discussion, and we never tell them what we think is most important. We always facilitate pulling it out of them, and they land what's most important. Every advisor has that opportunity and privilege, and many step into that. Thank you for listening to the Faith and Investing Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, share with a friend, or rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. Your rating and review allows more people to discover helpful resources on faithful investing. To find out more about the Eventide Center for Faith and Investing, visit us at faithandinvesting.com. This communication is provided for informational purposes only. Eventide Center for Faith and Investing is an educational initiative of Eventide Asset Management, LLC, an investment advisor. Information contained herein has been obtained from third-party sources believed to be reliable. An employee of one ascent has an equity interest in Eventide. This individual does not have an active role within the company. However, he does receive profit-sharing distributions based on his equity ownership, giving him an incentive to support sales of Eventide's investment products and services.